0: Hello, this is Daniel Davis, the team leader for the Gospel Project for Adults, and I want to welcome you to our weekly leader training podcast. My hope is that this resource helps to prepare you teachers for the coming group gathering each week. To that end, I aim to provide the context for the session in the biblical storyline to help you know how to use the leader guide and daily discipleship guide effectively and to showcase Christ as the purpose for what we do each week. So this week, we are starting a new volume, Volume 7 from heaven to earth. We have wrapped up the Old Testament storyline, beginning with creation and moving to Abraham, Moses, the Exodus, the Promised Land, King David, King Solomon, the divided kingdom, the exile of Israel, the exile of Judah, and the return of the exiles to the Promised Land. But when last we met, we were in the book of Malachi, and things still weren't settled for the people. At the conclusion of the Old Testament, God's people are home, but they remain subjects under the power of the Medo-Persians. After them, the Greeks, and after them, the Romans. The prophets were silent. The kingdom was broken. The future was dark. Greek and Roman culture had enveloped the whole area, and the elitist Pharisees and Sadducees had come into power to try to lead the Jews spiritually. But their only real hope was the coming of the promised Messiah. But when would that be? The people of God hadn't heard a fresh word from the Lord in 400 years. And then, he spoke. With the word God used at creation to make light, seas, and land, sun, moon, and stars, fish, birds, animals, and ultimately people created in his own image, God entered into his creation with this same word. And so... As we dive into the New Testament part of the biblical storyline, we begin with unit 19, titled Here is the Lamb of God, and we begin this unit with session 1, The Savior is Born. I find the shape of this unit as a whole particularly pleasing, given that we conclude this six session unit with our Easter session for this calendar year. We will study the crucifixion and resurrection as a part of the Bible storyline two volumes from now. Just recently, my wife and I were sharing about the significance of Easter with our children. We have traditions in our house, like many others have, I'm sure, to help instill in them the wonders of Christmas, that the Son of God would take on flesh and enter this world as a baby boy in fulfillment of Scripture. But sometimes it seems like Easter gets shortchanged in the realm of tradition, even though it should be the pinnacle of holidays for believers. Apart from the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, We have no salvation from sin, no hope of eternal life, and only the expectation of judgment and hell. So, we parents emphasized once again for our children that Easter surpasses Christmas. But we can't dismiss Christmas. Both are needed, and both were provided by the Lord. We can't have Easter without Christmas. But there is no point to Christmas if we don't also have Easter. Since we do have Easter, we can rightfully rejoice in the occasion of Christmas as we study and see that Jesus is the Word, the Son of God who came into the world to bring salvation. If you are inclined to do so, perhaps you formulate and play a playlist of Christmas songs as the group arrives to help set the mood and direction for the session. If I weren't concerned about copyright infringement, I would have tried to find Charlie Brown's Christmas Time is Here song as the lead-in for this podcast. But here we are, at the start of the third month of the year, and beginning with the birth of our Savior. Now, we aren't looking at the birth narratives from Matthew and Luke in this cycle of the Gospel Project, but we are studying Jesus' birth from a more cosmic perspective in John chapter 1. It would be wrong to see these passages in competition with one another. Rather, they complement each other. The Apostle John begins his Gospel with this grand, epic feel to help fulfill His purpose for writing, which is found in John 20:31, So that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him you may have life in His name. In point one, we begin with the Word of God in creation. This passage in John 1 is one of those classic places people can turn to in the Bible and see clearly the doctrine of the Trinity. God is one in three persons. The particular focus here, of course, is on the person of the Son of God, who was with God and who was God, and who was the means for all of creation. Recalling the creation account in Genesis 1, the initial creation of God was formless and covered in darkness. Into this darkness God spoke, and His word created light, which led to the ordering of day and night. John draws on this imagery in John chapter 1, to show that the creator of light who is also the source of life entered into his creation so that his light would triumph over the darkness of sin and death that shrouds all of humanity. In point 2, we look at the word of God in redemption. The incarnation of the word was preceded by John the Baptist, who himself was foretold, called and served as the forerunner to prepare the way for the Messiah. In John the Baptist, we find a forerunner even for ourselves. Not in the sense that he was for Jesus, but in the sense that we believers are called to use our lives to declare and demonstrate to the world that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Jesus came to save sinners, but not everyone who hears his gospel will receive it. Or to use John's inspired words, not everyone will receive him. The scripture says he came to his own people who had the law the covenants, the promises, the history, and still many of them rejected Him. Only those who receive Jesus by faith, corresponding with the new birth brought about by God, can be called the children of God and rejoice in their salvation. The Word entered into this world to make this salvation possible for all who would believe in Him. In point three, we conclude with the Word of God in glory. John finally hits upon the amazing, miraculous, mind-boggling truth that the Word became flesh. The divine second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, who previously had to be described only as a spiritual being, one who does not have a body like man, this Word took upon himself flesh, bone, and blood so that he could be like us. This, of course, facilitated his purpose for coming to die on the cross for our salvation being the perfect sacrifice we needed in our place to pay the debt we never could. But here John emphasizes the revelatory purpose of Jesus' incarnation. Through Jesus Christ, we see exactly who God is, the glorious sovereign over all creation who is full of grace and truth. The Son of God took upon Himself human flesh, the Creator of all things, wrapped Himself in the material that He formed out of the dust of the ground. Why? So that He could reveal the glory of God to the world in a way that we could observe, and so He could become the sacrifice for the sins of the world. All who trust in the Word, the incarnate Son of God, by name Jesus Christ, are brought out from the darkness of sin and death, and are able to see the glory of God as His children. For believers in this Savior who was born for us, because our spiritual blindness has been removed through Christ, we should never cease sharing the gospel with grace and truth, praying that the eyes of others might be opened as well, to see the glory of God in Christ, to believe in Him, and be saved. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.